All right. Good Monday morning, everyone. It's author talk, and it is just us three today. So Amy, Fern, and Russell today. And so we're going to dive into our weekend really, really quick, because we do have an interesting topic that we all are excited to dive into. But I wanted to kick off the weekend conversation. I broke two of my toes this weekend. You what? On Friday, I broke two two of my toes. How, how did that happen? It's in the most funniest way, and it's the most humiliating, embarrassing way. And so, I, of course, I can't wait to share it with you guys. So, my car is in the shop, right? And so, they were giving me a loaner, and I'm kind of like, it's been in the shop since Monday. They're just now giving me a loaner, right? And so, I was like, I'll be damned. I'm going to use this loaner. So, I was moving the car seats over at Joshua's work from the like really small compact SUV that we have into the loaner. And I was doing that. Meadow was screaming because she didn't want to be in her car seat and it was a whole mess. So I was just trying to get it done. I was flustered. Joshua was working. I was trying to, you know, do a lot of things. Well, there's a like divot or gap in the cement, right? Part of it's lower than higher. It was just like crap and I didn't see it. So the next thing I know, I'm carrying the car seat, me and my short little self, and I hit it with my shoe. I fell to the ground, fell on top of the car seat, skid a little Ooh. bit. The, like my, my toes are really skid and like damaged. And my two, like my pinky toe and that other toe are like purple. <laughs> so it was a fun experience. And I had to call Josh and was like, hey, can you come downstairs? Cause I just broke two of my toes. So Did he say he was too busy? No, he came down and helped me. But it was it was an adventurous uh, Friday. Crazy Friday. Crazy, crazy Friday. But, yeah, I've actually never broken. I mean, I fractured my collarbone when I was little. I've never actually broken anything. But I legit broke two of my toes on Friday. So, how was everybody else this weekend? Russell, happy belated birthday, my friend. Thank you. I had a great birthday. Uh, we had uh, our, our, we have a couple that we travel China and India and all over with. And we, so they came in for my birthday. Uh, we went to several great, great restaurants. Uh, and I was able to find fish because, you know, I haven't even told the audience yet, my doctors have moved me to a plant based diet permanently. So, Eating meat is like a big deal to me. So I got to have some fish. And we were planning our Japanese trip. And I announced to them that I was going to hire a special nighttime guide uh, for one night in Tokyo to take me to all the alley bars, you know, where the salary men go every night. Because that is a thing in Japan and I want to see it. But I want to have a guide to know where to, where to go and the unspoken rules and that sort of thing. And nobody will go with me because it'll be like an all-night thing. So I guess it's going to be me and a guide spending all the dark hours of Tokyo, Tokyo in the alleys. So that's pretty oh. cool. <laughs> I Well, you know, I mean, Melinda's not going to go with you? No, because she wants to sleep. I mean, in the dark alleys of Tokyo, I don't like going in dark alleys anywhere. 
So, I mean, I don't... I, but it's I, a thing in Japan. I know, but I'm just leery of dark alleys, man. Like, I don't feel like anything good happens in dark alleys. So... Yeah. I, I think it I does in Japan. I mean, there's... Maybe. There's, there's, like, miles of these bars that only seven or eight people can get into, and they have some dishes, and you drink, and you meet the people there because you see it sit at community tables... That is something I want to do. Yeah. How, fully who out there in the audience would go with me if they were on the trip with me? That's James what I want to know. He would go. James would go. James would go. I'm so shocked. I knew James would go with me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. You'd have to really does, do some talking me into it to go. I mean, I don't it know. It does sound like something a guy would Good probably morning, be much guys. more comfortable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The whole the whole alley thing is what would get me. It would be like, what? No, I'm I don't think I want to be in an alley. But I can see the appeal because I think we have not exactly the same thing, but I think we have that kind of in Mexico, like in the city. There's some like callejones, right? Alleys that have these wonderful little bistros and stuff and but it is kind of you do feel a little leery about going for it you know you do feel a little leery that's why it. you get a local guide mm. yeah 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 I don't and know. also you have someone that speaks japanese with you right yeah you, yeah yeah i don't know i always i don't know i mean i'm a risk taker on some things but i do skirt on the edge of caution you know so I don't, I wouldn't be the best bet. Now, Josh, Josh would be like, hell yeah, let's do it. You know? Oh, like, yeah. I wouldn't even have to ask Josh. I'm no. just telling him, okay, this is your portion of the guide. And he would like, let's go. Pretty much. Yeah. A hundred percent. He'd be all in. I'd be like, I'm I think Fern would go too. Frankly, and James, don't you think? I think Fern would say, even if she had said no before, if she saw us getting ready to go out with the, salary man of all night i think fern would have to go i would go i would yeah, go I um so. yeah i would go because i've yeah. I, like i said i mean i've done it before in mexico like um i don't know how similar they are or not but like i've, I've gone walking down different areas and now i did have a group and it included multiple guys in it so you know, there's well, something yeah, there's like, I, like I would not go by myself, but I would go with multiple guys. Can, yeah, I won't uh, go alone. I won't. Yeah. I won't. I couldn't just be me and the guide, you know, because I don't know. I just, I'm just, I'm cautious of people, I guess. But like in a big group, maybe. But then it's all night too, and I'm doing good to make it. It's to all like, night, you and know? you can't go in too big a group because the whole bars only hold seven or eight people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh. but it, like. Like if you go like I know uh, why James three, went to the mountains in Jamaica. <laughs> no comment. I'm not saying anything. Oh my goodness. Anyway. No anyway, <laughs> Fern, what were you saying? Yeah, what were you saying? I was saying like uh, I think a trio of people is perfect for an an excursion like that. Like if you're if you're a gal and you go with two guys that um and plus your guide, I think that works really well. Looking yeah. for fun. I'm yeah, sure I'm sure, James. We I'm all sure. know what you was looking for. <laughs> oh, my <goodness. laughs> oh, my. Oh, my goodness. Well, Fern, what did you do this weekend? 
I actually didn't do anything this weekend. I rested. Um, I was not feeling well at all. So I just spent the whole time resting, to be honest, because I was tired. Yeah, I watched movies. Finally watched the Maverick movie, uh, the Tom Tom Cruise uh, Top Gun. It's a great movie. Really good. It was really, really good. Yeah. Put off watching it just because, you know, I have the original one and it was like, well, I don't know. Because, you know, like when they do sequels, like farther down the road, they're not. It's great. You'll love it, Amy. I'll have to do that because I watched Hocus Pocus 2 when it came out and I am. I like the first one. I think that's oh, yeah. the first one was so funny. The first one was great. I mean, it had like humor and it was great. And it was like, I don't know. It was the bond between a brother and a sister. Right. And like the whole humor and stuff with it. But the second one just, you know, I was so excited. Me and the girls had like a picnic and fruit and Josh was here. We're like, yeah, we're going to like watch this movie. I've waited so long. And you know, it was a, a thing for me, but Anyways, continue. You watched a bunch of movies. What'd you watch besides the Maverick movie? Oh, gosh. We watched a lot. We watched an older one with Liam Neeson called Under Suspicion. Oh. I think it was 1992 it was made or something. Um, I had not seen this film with Liam Neeson, but it is good. It is Is really, it's really, really good. And, um, yeah, I would recommend it. It has an incredible twist at the end. You really do not see it coming. You just don't see it coming at all. And very well done as the, you know, uh, he gets accused of, of killing someone. And I mean, it, it's nicely done. Nicely done. And he's so young looking in this one, you know, like, I mean, poor dude, he's older now, but he still looks good, but he looks even better in this one nice mm-hmm. I like it. well good mm-hmm. we all had like good you know weekends i love it we right. did yes. i want to thank the people that are listening to us on the podcast we're rated in the top 10 book independent podcasts in america we're very grateful about it we're grateful you're listening amy where can we find us you can find us anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. So Stitcher, Good Pods, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, Google. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you can listen to us. But like Russell said, we are just, we love doing this. We've done this for seven years and it's been so much fun. Russell likes to point out when we first started, I was the person behind the camera holding it. And now here I am actually on camera. So it's been a year or seven years of just, you know, growth and transgender what is it what is it transformation there we go words are hard on mondays at least for me yeah it's not transgender it's transformation i I was trying to say like the trans you know transformation but (laughs) no i was my mind was going in five different conversations in my own mind okay so it's been a whole lot of fun so we just are so grateful and thank everybody for it so russell sent us this article this morning Russell, tell us a little bit about this article. I posted it in the group before we went live for you guys to kind of check out. But Russell, tell us a little bit about this article. It's Amer- It's uh, on controversial issues within publishing and authors. And it's the number one of the listed articles on uh, its uh, headline is American Dirt, which is the name of the book in the controversy. 
Uh, it's very short part of the article. You should read it right now if you're listening to us so you can contribute and know what we're talking about. There are several controversial issues within the book and the public. Uh-oh, he's reloading. Mm. Russell down. Russell is down. <laughs> Atlanta, we have a problem. <laughs> I thought it was going to be me because they're adding fiber to my neighborhood, fiber internet or whatever, so my internet hasn't been working very well. So I was like, maybe it's me, you know, but it wasn't. It wasn't me. It was Russell. Russell's the one that dropped. Oh, man. And he sent us the article. It's a really good article, you guys. And Amy just posted it so you guys can read it. And um, we're going to talk about a couple of them, especially we're going to begin with American Dirt. But also, there's just other article, other uh, controversies mentioned in there. So, you know, it is really, really good. So, Russell, you were saying... Well, I don't know where I got cut off. I guess Amy didn't like what I was saying, so she cut me <laughs> off. Uh, but uh, it's a very short article. Everyone should read it right now as we're discussing this so you'll know exactly what we're talking about. And uh, it was a book that an author wrote. Uh, Fern, uh, how would you describe the book and the publishing of the book? Well, okay, so the, the the controversy around American Dirt lies in a couple of things. First of all, it, it starts, I think everybody kind of focuses in on the fact that it was written by someone who is not Mexican-American. Which you are. And, Let me, let's point which, that out. Which I am. And, um, and so she wrote, this, this lady wrote, the story of a Mexican uh, mother and child who uh, are driven away from, from their home in Mexico because the uh, husband has run afoul of a cartel boss and they they're trying to cross into the U.S. and they're trying to make it here. So um, the problem really well, you know there's... a lot of people a lot of people are focusing the problem around the fact that she is white and that she is not mexican how is she writing mexican characters and here's the issue that i have with that and i have issues that, with it too yeah because because we need to have authors that write books with diversity in them you know so i i have black characters i have asian characters i have all kinds of diversity in my in my stories. Now, granted, they're they're in another universe, and so um, there's some leeway when it comes to fantasy and sci-fi like that. But you know, in my know, book, we, that you go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. I mean, we we don't live in a world that is segregated. We live in a world that is diverse, and so our authors, when they're portraying the real world no matter what their personal culture is, they need to have characters that reflect the full color and flavor of the world, which is diverse. So and it's more interesting that, that way, right? Yes. And you can't, so I, to me, you can't say that, that if you're white, you can't write any other colors. No, you should be writing a diverse world because you should be living in a diverse world and you should be experiencing 
having friendships and relationships with diverse people. So as an author, you should be able to draw on that. The biggest problem is the topic that she chose is a Mexican family running away from Mexico to cross into the U.S. And, and I just don't think she did the research. I don't think she okay. investigated okay. it thoroughly enough. She did not do the research and there, and she did not do the research on Mexico and Mexican culture. And so then she was unable to represent it accurately because she's just going on stereotypes and on a very superficial understanding of the situation versus actually delving into the research. That's what I think is the problem, you know, with the book. Well, I think that these are uh, current issues that as authors, we always have to deal with. I know in my next book, uh, Murder by Storm, that you're publishing next June, there are Sikh characters in the book. I put a couple of Sikh brothers, two Sikh brothers in the book because my book occurs in Houston. Houston mm -hmm. is a huge city. James says it is okay as long as you are not trying to pretend you are that nationality. That's true. Yeah. And that's one of the controversies in the book because it wasn't revealed till later, James, that she mm -hmm. wasn't that nationality. So that's a very good point. But uh, Houston is a very, very diverse city. The, uh, I can tell you when I speak about the book in Georgia, people are shocked at how diverse the city of Houston is and how many languages are spoken here. So uh, I wanted to include several characters from other nationalities that are just a part of the way it is in Houston. And so I included Sikh characters in there. And uh, I know this, I'm very familiar with the Sikh uh, community. I've spent a lot of time in it. And I'm, I'm, I try to be very careful because it's much more interesting to show the diversity of culture than to be sloppy and just get it wrong. That's just lazy writing. But you know, no, it didn't it's hurt. lack of research. It's lack of research. I mean, she did. You know, if you're doing research to represent different peoples correctly, and you're living you have friendships with diverse people. You don't just have friendships with other white guys. And right? even if you don't, you're a different author. You encounter people of different cultures. That's part of a book. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that's the biggest issue that I have with it is that if you're trying to, to represent and discuss a topic, uh, a situation, then you really need to do the research. Do the research, you know? I mean, she could have gone to like the border and had interviews with people. I'm sure there were plenty of people who would have talked to her about her, about the issues and about the experiences and about, and, you know, if you're gonna represent Mexican culture and you're gonna write about Mexico, Go visit Mexico. Go experience Mexico. It's more than you know, visit. You've got to, you got to experience it. You've got to squeeze some juice. Especially if your whole 
book is about it. You really have to yes. squeeze some juice out of it. Yes. So I think that's that. I really think that the biggest problem isn't so much that she's white writing about Mexicans, is that she didn't do the the research and she clearly doesn't have an understanding of the culture sufficient to be able to write about it. And so I think that's where you have to really like, cause I mean, I've been to a lot of places as a tourist, I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim to know the full culture of that location, you know, because I haven't really experienced it fully, you know, to be able to write about it. I could write about, I, I could write about Paris, right. As a tourist, I could write about a tourist going to Paris because I've experienced that now living in Paris, that's a whole other uh, situation, you know? And so I think, I think you have to really, as a writer, you have to make sure that what you are putting on the page is, is going to really be informed because especially if you're writing such a, a really, I don't know, controversial topic, you know, about immigration and about what drives people to coming to the U.S. You know, why are people seeking uh, asylum here? Is that controversial or is it just a hot issue? Because no matter where you are on immigration, for the most part, you care about those people that are struggling, risking their lives. You, you hear about the coyotes and the people dying in the uh, trucks. You, and the children that don't have any connection when they get here. And, you know, the other day I heard on the news how some of the children, they have the name of an American contact for them but and their name and that's it. They don't even have their parents' names on them on the paper that they have pinned to their back of their shirt. Yeah. I think I think the I don't know if it's a controversy, but I know that America has always had issues with immigration because every wave of immigration that we have experienced as Americans has had the same um, pushback against them, you know, um, as this one. You know, it's just when when the Irish came and when the Eastern Europeans came and when the Chinese people came. I mean every wave it's the same thing we always think somehow that you know we we can't we we don't have enough resources for more people to come which i i honestly don't believe in but irrespective of that i think that having compassion is what you're talking about russell and some people just don't have compassion well i know but you i know. mean that's some why i said for the most part as human that, you know, I think that I think that's what makes this a controversial topic is that some people don't see immigrants as humans. You know, it's like the same thing when we talk about like the word slave. We say he was a he's a slave. No, he's an enslaved person, you know. And so when you say he's an illegal, no, he is a person who emigrated illegally, you know. But I think I think it's it's trying to trying to have a conversation about compassion can be tough because some people just don't see people as humans, you know, and they can't put themselves in someone else's shoes. So books like this that, that portray, you know, uh, the human condition and the reasons why humans 
are migrating over here, you know, and stuff. They're really important books to publish. As a publisher, I think that it's a topic to sure. be explored. She got an Oprah. She had her Oprah moment on the show. Yeah. The interview. Oprah thought it was, and after the controversy, uh, they canceled all of her book tour. But which brings us to the whole advance thing. But uh, it's still a bestseller. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's a topic people are interested in. But the sad part is that she, you know, was not upfront about who she is and what she was doing with the book. And, you know, because it's, it, it would have been a lot different if she'd said, you know, hey, this is a book that is, this is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. I want to I want to bring awareness to it. Right. So here's the book verse, you know, and then, and then we could have discussed her inability to like do proper research, you know, but, now, but like now you, you say, said I mean, that you know, know of two other books that were written on the same subject where they did do intensive research. Did Didn't I? you say that right before the show where, uh, you Oh no, I was talking about in the article, the interesting okay. thing in the article, um, there's uh, further down in the article, there are two books. One of them is claiming that the other plagiarized from them. But in, in truth, what has happened, if you really look at the two books, is that the both authors have really done their due diligence and done really good research. Um, because it's basically, these two books are about the, the, the mounted librarians right? Um, the horseback librarians and um, Eleanor Roosevelt's whole program of trying to bring books into areas that were difficult to reach. And so these two books are, are about the, um, these ladies who would go with books into the mountains and they would bring books to, to really far away regions of the U.S., and they're so similar because the, they're both set in the same locations. Um, and, you know, they've done their due diligence. They've really researched. And so they're very, very similar. But in, in truth, the stories are different enough to say, yes, these two stories are not necessarily plagiarized. And I think ultimately um, the decision, if I understand it correctly from the article, was that, no, there was no plagiarism, you know. But there you have authors who have who have done their work and done the research. And so, you know, you can end up with a lot of similarities in a book, you know, if it's talking about the same time period and the same, the same thing. The key thing here is the plot, right? I mean, what is the plot of the two books and, and is it the same problems? And, you know, do they, do they make enough differentiation of how they tell the story of these librarians to make it unique for, for them, I think. You know, and I think that I, if I understand the article correctly, that was the, the outcome of it was to say that, no, they, it was not plagiarized. But I may be wrong. I don't know. I read it really fast. So another part of the American Dirt controversy was the amount of money that she got on an advance, which was a huge amount. And you'd said that you were surprised that they even gave her an advance on the book. I think advances are kind of going away. I think, I think the trend of uh, giving advances um, 
is slowly disappearing. I think you see advances in from the big houses when you have either really top already known entity uh, writers or like in this instance, it really does. And this is what the article mentions. It does signal how much marketing uh, a company, a publisher is going to do. Well, that um, kind of know, alarmed what, me. You think so? Why? Why did it alarm you? I guess the truth of it. Mm. If you're going to put a lot of money behind a book as a publisher, you're going to have to publicize it. You know, I've always been yeah. of the assumption that it's the author's job to publicize their book. That's what we say on here. Of course, that's true of independent books, true. And that's really true of small publishing uh, and books. Uh, I, can tell, I can tell people uh, in Fern's publishing company, Inklings, uh, that she does help her authors promote books. Uh, she has all sorts of services. But I can say this about it, when it really comes down to it, it really is up to the author to get out there and work. Because yeah. Fern doesn't I have mean, time to work on that stuff. Well, I mean, we do, like, and we have it in our contract, I think all publishers do, of, of we're going to do marketing for the book, you know. Now, we are going to decide what those marketing uh, things are going to be, because, of course, we have to consider our budgets and, and how much we're going to invest in each book. But, you know, and we do what we can as a publisher, but nobody's going to sell your book the way you do. You know, nobody can sell your book the way you do, because the reality is that it's it's interviews is when people see the author and hear the author. Right. Um, when you're on those podcasts and talking about your book and being excited about your book, when you're when you're at an event at a book signing event or at a Comic-Con or some place like that. And people meet you, you know, people, people connect to you, the author. And so they buy your book. And I think that, you know, there is a certain amount of um, sales that come from marketing. Like if, if I create an ad and if we have a really spectacular cover and if we do some really good copy text that says, that really hooks them into wanting to buy it. There's a certain number of people who will buy it from an ad, but I, I feel like when it comes to books and, and especially unknown authors, you're, you're going to be the one that can sell the book the best, right? Because you're yeah. also excited. About and that kind of goes to, we've had several authors on, we've had some spectacular shows over the last few months. Mickey has some great authors and that, that, he's hooked us up with and we've had some spectacular shows and uh that's kind of a controversy even with uh, some of those authors remember we had one author from canada who said he does no book launches and i remember amy and i were so shocked we're still working amy's going to do my book launches even on my relaunch on my book amy's going to do that and amy how do you think What's your sales pitch on that, on uh, doing promotion, on launching of a book? Oh, I don't really have a sales pitch. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, what's your opinions on Well, it? I mean, your circle of friends and families, right, is always going to be your biggest fan. And when your book comes out, that's going to be your top, you know, day of downloads, physical sales, all of that. 
But when that drops off and that circle has your book or whatever, then what are you going to do? How are you going to get in front of new people? Right. And so you want to capitalize on all of that momentum when your book comes out. And so doing a book launch and having other authors on, you know, one authors love to support and participate with other authors and you get access to their audience like they do yours. And that's going to help you, especially as a first time author. But on top of that, you know, doing a book launch and stacking it and giving your book the momentum to be successful sets precedent for all your other books, right? Because if you had, I don't know, like 10,000 downloads of your first book, people are going to be waiting for your next book to come out whenever it does. And it just kind of gives like you have the bestseller title or whatever title you want to give if you receive it, right? And that carries on to all of your books. And so that makes it where you're setting yourself up to be successful for a longer amount of time than just that day. So any book that comes out afterwards that you launch and do all this has that momentum behind it. I mean, that's that's the justification for a book launch. And who doesn't want their book to be, you know, have the number one next to it or, you know, get in as many readers' hands as possible. I mean, a lot of them are act of love. All of them are acts of love. And I understand that. But, you know, it should be something that you have to, you took the leap of faith to publish it and put it out there, right? So then you kind of have to do the hustle that goes with it. And it's, you're not, it's not saying that, oh, if you become a bestseller and we launch it, you're just going to make all your money back in that day. No. Okay. The marathon goes on, but it sets up your future as a writer and success as a writer from doing a book launch for like each book. It just elongates that success for it, in my opinion. And it helps with your author branding because then you can be a best-selling author or an international best-selling author, an award-winning author, whatever, right? And that carries with you through your entire writing journey. So, I mean, that's, that's why I, I do book launches and I like it. So I don't know if that's a sales pitch. That's a really long sales pitch. It was not an elevator pitch at all. That was pretty short. I thought (laughs) Fern, do you think, are you concerned when your authors are not interested in what marketing? I mean, is that something you have to convince authors to do? We don't know. We don't, we don't, work with authors who aren't interested in doing their marketing because, you know, I'm a small press and, you know, I, by the way, like top five I'm, in know, Houston area, according to yeah. a magazine last year. So I had to brag about you a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we're a good press. We we've established ourselves well and, you know, but the reality is that as a, as a publisher, like when I, when I'm at these events, you know, and I'm at our table, I have a lot of books at, to offer, which is our goal is to have a little bit of everything to offer, right? So whatever reader comes by, we have something for them. I, I'm not trying to focus just on one, right? I'm trying to sell all of them. I'm because for me, it's a numbers game. It's a, it's a question of every, every book selling, selling, selling as many as we can. So if you as an author are not going to help sell the books, then why am I investing my money? Why am I mean, I, I hate to say this, but like, you know, as a small press, it's it's literally my money. It's you know, this is this is my money. I work very, very hard to get this money. I want to invest it in people who are going to come alongside and be a team. You know, 
you're working your book, we're working your book, and together we're selling your book, you know? And that's why I think it's very important for you guys, you know, to look at, for example, presses where you're paying for the services, right? If you have a publisher where you are paying them to do the edits and to do your book cover, if you're paying for everything, the the publisher has no skin in the game. They have no interest in whether or not the book actually sells because they already got their money's worth. They already charged you for the service and they upcharged you to make money, right? Um, so they they don't care. They don't care whether or not your, your book sells. A publisher like Inklings Publishing and other small presses out there doing this work, we're putting our money we're paying the copy editors. We're paying the edit, the the cover designers. We're paying for the marketing. We are going to make money back on book sales, and so we need you as the author to come on board and be a partner and to want to sell your book as much as we want to sell your book, right? Because we want to both make money. We want to have a return on that investment, and so I feel like. You know, now, if you're a big press like Simon & Schuster or Penguin or whatever, you know, I, I, I haven't seen that they necessarily do a lot of book launch parties. You know, they sort of the book drops, you know, and there's a release date and there's some promotions behind that. I haven't seen them do like what some of the things that we do, you know, um, and that Amy does for our authors. But they're, but they're you know giants. So their game is different. You know, their game, when you're in the smaller league, you're, you're playing a different game. You know, we're playing a different game and, and we need, we need the team effort of everybody working together, you know, but even then you see, um, you see their authors working it too. I mean, they're going on these podcasts, they're going on these shows, they're getting out there, you know, but what you were saying, Russell, about the money of the advance, right. And that how much, how that indicates how much the big guys are going to put on your book. That's, that is true, you know, because, you know, Meg, um, who works with Inklings, we have her fiction books. She's being published by Simon and Schuster, one of their um, imprints for her nonfiction books. And, you know, she's doing her work. She's she has to do her own marketing there too. She and her co-author, and they help, but um, but she's doing a lot of it, you know, because she's got to um, she's got to do that because they're you know she's she's a smaller name author, so they're not putting a whole bunch of money. I know that uh, when my first book was launched. Uh, Amy and Sandy, Amy worked with Sandy at the time. Everyone that's watched this show for a while, Sandy used to be a part of our show and she still is our main substitute. And I know she's watching. Uh, we sold 10,000 copies during the launch time, which is, was above my goal. Mm -hmm. And that was all a matter of the synergism of the launch and the effort put in right after the launch for the six months afterwards, it was all a matter of that. So I personally have experienced what Amy's talking about. 
Yeah, and I mean, you it's the promo stacking. It's, uh, you know, joint effort uh, on the work, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, lo- it's a lot to build the buzz, you know. It's a lot of effort and a lot of money goes into building buzz. And, and uh, I think if you're a serious author, you know, you, you need, you need to be aware that this is going to be a lot of work. You know, you can't come to it thinking that you're going to sit back and someone else is going to promote your book and you're going to be a bestseller suddenly. You know, you, you have to be aware that you're going to have to do a lot of work. Well, I think a lot of it is, is if you write this book and your purpose is to get this book out, right? You had this book inside of you and you wrote it and you want to get it out. To more than just family and friends how do you expect to do that you know what i'm saying like it's kind of one of those where <clears throat> maybe back in the day you know you could just walk the sh- neighborhood streets or go into bookstores and they'd let you put your books and stuff but now a lot of it is you have to be your own marketing person right i mean if whatever route you go down right because i can only do so much for you your publisher can only do so much for you you have to still do lake work right and so i think at the end you have to evaluate what your goal is and what your intention was with writing the book if you just wanted to write the book to write the book and you don't care how many people read it and stuff then do you but if you want to get it in as many hands as possible and give it the best opportunity and chance that you can because you spend all this time money effort and love into the book you have to become your own like hype man or hustle person and and do that and that's where you know it it doesn't any publishing route that you go even with the big five you still have to do that so eventually you're gonna have to promote your book or let it go by the wayside it just depends on what your goals and interest is in publishing your book i mean we all have different avenues i will never write a book I'm, I won't. I have worked with so many authors. I feel like I have helped all these, right? So all of my works are out there is how I feel. But I also know the time and dedication that goes into it, right? I like helping other people do that. I don't want to do that for myself. Like it, I just, there's not enough hours in the day, right? But so if I ever did one, it would be just to satisfy myself. And I wouldn't care how many people read it or whatever. It would just be for me. It just depends on what your goals are, you know? So Well, and, and that's, you know, and that's a legitimate thing, by the way. Like, I mean, I think there's authors out there who have a story they want to tell because they want to, they want to be able to hand it down to like their, the next generation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they want the next generation of their family members to know this is where our family began, or these are some of the things that have, that I've struggled with. And they may also kind of want a little bit of, of other people to, to read it and for it to help other readers. But their, their main thing is really to just tell their story and to just put it in the hands of the next generation of their own family. Right. And I think that's a legitimate thing, you know? Um, but if you're wanting to make a career as a writer, um, one of the things you have to realize is it's not easy. It's not overnight, you know, and no matter how good your work is and how, how good your, your skills as an author are, it, you know, the likelihood of you becoming a New York Times bestseller in, in the span of three days after releasing your book is, is pretty slim, you know, pretty slim. It's a, it's a rough road. It's one that requires a lot of work, you know, beyond just 
getting the story down and getting it done well and putting it out there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I think it's really about what do you want and how do you define success? You know, you can't really as a writer define success with how much money you've made. You really need to have have it. To me, it's more about like, you know, you want you want people to read your book. You want people to enjoy your story, you know? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. But we could talk about this all day. We could talk about this article all day, multiple shows and everything like that. But you guys know we only do it for 45 minutes. And I can see Russell just itching to tell me that our time is up. No, I have so many other things I want to argue about. <laughs> the one show he doesn't want to do that to. Oh, my gosh. We could talk about this for so many shows, though, you guys. So we will revisit the conversation. This is why we like doing a show that's just us three at least once a month, because we can dive into these deep topics and conversations and kind of give our personal and professional opinion on some of these things. All of us have been in the publishing book marketing realm for many years. And so it, we can just provide, in my opinion, the best feedback personally. But with all that being said, all good things must come to an end. And so our show today is dwindling down. But I will do closing comments, questions, statements first before we close. So, Russell, I'm going to go to you first. Okay. So this struck me today. So I was doing a 45-minute Peloton class this morning. And there's a point here about books. And... Uh, it was online and I must have had 25 people from around the world that was in the class with me, give me a high five. And it struck me. That's, you know, that's the way I don't know who those people are. There's millions of books out there. Uh, how do you get your book in front of the people that would be interested in reading and buying your book? That's promotion, trying to figure out how to do that. And I remember when I was like, saying high five to all these people while I was try trying to breathe and do the bicycle. Uh, I remember thinking that. So that's kind of the point. And thank you for arguing with me today about this article. Well, of course, man, I'm just impressed that you did a Peloton class because honestly, when I get on those bikes, I'm not even going to lie. They make my butt hurt. So I get off real quick. I mean, that's just me. I can't. I can't. So 45 minutes, man. Power to you because I'm doing Well, I have special hard. shorts for that. Okay. I need, I need them. I, I would love to do that, but I'm just telling you my butt can't take it. I'm not even going to lie at all. But Fern, what about you? Closing comments, questions, statements before we wrap up today. Me? I'm not doing no Pelotons. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing good if I walk my dog. Okay, that's what I do. I walk my dog. We don't run. We don't do any of that. We just walk. We walk. She sniffs. She pees here and there to leave her little scent behind. And that's that's what we do. I, I'm just going to end on that note. Like, no, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, everybody. Well, it's good that you do it, Russell, because then you stay healthy. Power to you, Russell. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Power to you. But you guys, we love coming and talking to you on Monday. It always kicks off my week and just puts me in the best mood. I get to come hang out with my best friends in the whole world. So we hope that you guys had a great Monday or have a great Monday. We've enjoyed being here. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll catch you all next Monday. Bye for now.